Episode number 88, Chadwick McIntyre and Doug Brown from Colorado Springs' own Atlantic Panic are in the Springs.
Check, check, check. Hey, hey, hey. Sounds all right? Yeah. I think so. Excellent. All right. I've got uh, Chadwick McIntyre and Doug Brown from Atlantic Panic. What's going on? I got it right. Yes, sir. All right. And we're missing uh, Pito and Chad. Correct. All right. And Pito and Chad do? Bass and guitar. Nice. All right. So just do a quick uh, introduction, uh, who you are, what you do in the band. I'm Chadwick. I play guitar and I do vocals. Okay. And I'm uh, Doug Brown. I play drums and sing as well. Nice. Okay. Now, Doug, are you relatively new-ish to the band? I'm, uh, I'm the new guy, yeah. Not sure. And how, how new is new? Uh, I joined the band about three months ago. or Well, a little more That's than that. It. November, November-ish. So it's been yeah, a few months. Actually. Nice. And so it's gone by very quickly. <laughs> is that a good thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Good. Now, what is the, the connection there? How did you hook up with these guys? Um, we have a mutual friend, uh, Scott Wilson from Tantric, uh, who's actually producing the record. Um, he contacted me um, and kind of asked if it'd be okay if you passed my info along because he had a, uh, a group of friends that uh, were looking for a drummer and uh, a band that he was producing and working with and thought that I would be a good fit for what they're doing and thought we would get along pretty well as people. And... Um, so I went and met with them and saw them do a, a show and a performance and met with everybody. And um, their drummer was, was leaving pretty abruptly, and they had a show booked. So originally we were just going to do a one-off and kind of see how it went. And uh, then we ended up jumping in the studio and doing a single for a song called uh, Dodge the Girl, Like the Bullet She Is. And um, the drummer that was supposed to do the track uh, wasn't available kind of last minute, so jumped in and did that with them. And in the studio we kind of just... Uh, got to know each other a bit and it, it felt really good and it kind of you know they asked me if I wanted to join the band at that point I knew that they were cool guys and we got along really well so that, that's kind of how it came together nice it sounds like uh, serendipity where everything kind of uh, lined up when it should have yeah absolutely definitely the planets were aligned stars were yeah. aligned it was weird at first it was kind of like I don't know it feels too good it's too right <laughs> it seemed yeah, it's like, it I don't know. yeah I was like I want to hold off so yeah. Chadwick for you since you're the founding member of Atlantic Panic yeah. when you do bring in a new member what does that do I know it's just been you know a short time so far but how does that change the dynamic creatively do songs start to you know transform a little bit or well doug's been really respectful of the original writing process um and so as far as what is played for the songs that we had written previously to him joining um i kind of just gave him the foundational stuff and was like hey so i love what was there you know if you can improve it if you can make it your own then have at it you know and he did and it makes it even that much better and actually we're we just started playing a new song that we wrote all together with Doug and it's by far one of my favorite songs thus far so it hasn't really affected it negatively it was not really a huge adjustment except for a positive one so nice so the new song that was something that's been written since Doug joined yeah gotcha okay and so we'll be playing that tonight as well oh very cool what's that called between the scared and me nice so now you and I met um, about a year ago I think Right, um, and I managed to uh, not record our interview, so it was a great conversation. <laughs> it was, it was the best conversation too. It was, it was a really the, good one. The memories come flooding back. <laughs> that this one's being recorded, though. Hopefully, <laughs> exactly. I've already yeah. got the button double checked. So um, and so, at the time, I think you guys were working on some kind of one-off singles and some different things, and an album was sort of kind of on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's still a work in progress, or is that still something that you're shooting for at this point? Um, well, we started tracking our full-length album a couple months ago, and uh, we've got eight of ten songs tracked. Um, we plan to add two more, possibly three. 
Um, and so we actually just released a sample from the record uh, Sunday evening, so two nights ago. And um, it's called Battle Cry, and it's just, it sounds incredible, and it's not even the final product. It was just like, hey, you know what? We're still here. This is what we got, because it's, it's been a big process getting this album done with the drummer quitting, and we wanted to wait to write a couple more songs as far as the ones that we wanted to put on the album instead of the ones that are just kind of the back burner songs. So yeah. um, it should be released hopefully by July. Nice. That's the goal. Um, we should get like get back in the studio around May, so that's yeah, kind of the challenge because uh, Scott uh, Wilson is he's a pretty busy guy and with touring and recording bands and um, so you know it's kind of a whenever the schedules align and we can all actually <laughs> actually make it work and have time to to work and get in the studio. Well, I would imagine that would hold true for you guys as band members as well, just juggling sort of the the day job or the day life and then oh by the way i have to go in and record and so the scheduling yeah. must be well you know we all have other things that we do too uh, other musical projects and things that we're all involved in so it, you know but i mean we make it work and it, i think atlanta panic's definitely the priority yeah for everybody so what's it like working with scott developing the the album in terms of from a creative standpoint is he kind of a fifth member or does he just say hey tell me what you guys want it to sound like and we're going to get get you dialed in and well initially it was just he wanted to track it as it was um he captured it very well he mic'd extremely well um and so he captured the sound because he wanted to like become that fifth member you know like a a good producer does um and so when we went or when i went in to do the vocal tracks for it that's when i really just saw like no this is what i'm feeling like try this this that and the other so i mean there's all sorts of guidance and I think it was only about like 30 or 45 minutes. We were just gelling on everything. So, I mean, he's definitely become the fifth member of the band. I wish he was at practice more, but, you know. <laughs> but. So now one question that comes up a lot, because I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by the process. When you guys are working on um, new songs in the studio or putting together a new track, are you conscious of how that's going to transform live and, and what the development of a song is relative to sort of the production element of it? And can we then get on stage and do this live? You know, I, th I think we're definitely aware of it. Um, it's not always the end-all be-all. You know, we're, we'll kind of gel and, and collaborate together and see where it goes. But obviously the ultimate goal is to perform it live and do it justice. Um, you know, we're not a band that relies on using backing tracks or anything like that. So, you know, pretty much what you see on stage is four guys performing live. There's no, there's nothing else behind it. Um, you know, we may incorporate a few things in the future, but we're certainly not reliant on, on that type of thing. So it's definitely something that we're aware of. And, um, you know, now working with some of these songs that were written before I came in, they've kind of taken a new life. We actually play them, I think, a little more energetically live. And Absolutely. the feel has changed. And so, you know, I think we're definitely more focused on that of, I guess trying to capture that live feel on the record, which sometimes can be hard because the studio can be kind of a sterile environment sometimes. Right. But, you know, we're kind of really getting to know each other and, and gel together, and so we're growing as a band, and I think as we do that, the songs become tighter. Even the songs that are already recorded, they sort of take on a new life, and they're certainly the same songs you can hear on the record, but they're played with a lot of energy and a lot of feel, and it's, it's not something anyone's burned out on. Yeah. It stays fresh, I think. Well, because I would imagine that you know, as an artist, when you do create something, it's hard to stop tinkering with it. And so in the studio, is that a challenge for either sure. of you where you have to at some point go, it's done enough. And you, you have to just sort of like let it go. 
There is that point. Um, I mean, that's that's the beauty of technology, though, too, is you know unlimited tracks if you have the the RAM and the, you know the processor right. for it, et cetera. But but that could be um, kind of a double-edged sword too, though, right? Where it is uh, unlimited, it can, it can absolutely, you. yeah, because it can backhand you really quick, and you have an entirely different song after 30 minutes of messing around with it, and you're like, no, what did I do? You know, <laughs> right. and so right. absolutely, um, I, I I agree with that. Like, I think that you can tinker with it too much. Um, I think it's great when the band can settle, you know, on agreement as far as the song live goes. And then that's what we take to the studio. But there's always the sauce, the marinade that you put in there once you get in the studio and kind of give that ear candy for it. So. Yeah. Now, this sounds like kind of a cynical question, and, and I, I certainly don't mean that. But what, what is the point of, of producing and releasing an album? I mean, kind of in this day and age where everything has changed, I think, in the music industry where... You know, for my generation, when Metallica would release an album, it was an event, and you know, you would look forward to it. And now it just—it's definitely so saturated. And at any rate, like I said, that sounds very negative, and I don't mean that. I just trying to kind of very relevant question. You know, I think the business is very different now. You know, we've all been at it for a little while. Um, I've been at it for a long time, and I've seen it change quite a bit. Um, You know, there's still a demand to make a record because people want to hear something fresh and want to hear what you're doing, and whether they buy the full record or, or whether they download a song off of it, there's always that drive for new music. Um, and as an artist, I think it's it's satisfying to make a record if you can afford to do one. The, the, the one thing that hasn't changed is it still, still costs money to make records, even though you don't make near as much money as you used to selling records. Um, even if you have a home studio or you have the gear, it's a lot of time, a lot of investment, and to get that record sounding to the next level, you have to bring in some other some other ears and some other hands um, of experience to really make it take on a new life of its own and do something more than what you can do with it as an artist. But I think that's satisfying because you really you get to see it come to fruition and you know even live. I mean, there's limitations to what you can do and you can expand upon that and really figure out the songs. So at least for me, I think that's kind of the satisfaction of it of, of being able to hear what you're doing in a controlled environment and then kind of polish it and build upon that. And Chadwick, what about you? What is your motivation for, for this album? Um, for this album specifically, I think the great thing for it has been that every song that we've written, it's, you know, it still has the Atlantic panic flavor, um, but genre specific, it's not. Um, there's everything influencing it from the blues to some ambient type, you know, rock and roll or whatever it may be. Um, and so I think, I think for us in this album being released, it's kind of, I mean, you're always wanting to purchase a single. And so with that, you have a whole album of singles. So hopefully you're going to end up getting the result of being played on different styles of radio stations. Right. But it's the same album, same people doing what they love, and it's still eclectically, you know, yeah. cohesive on the album. Yeah. So I, I think just to kind of add on what he's saying too, I think we've definitely made a conscious effort to not try to be, you know, one style of music or try to develop one signature sound because the songs are, they're all very different. They're, there's definitely versatility in this group, which is really one of the big reasons that I wanted to be a part of it. Um, I, I don't feel like there's any limitations or there's nothing, there's no one in the group saying, well, we need to sound like this or we need to try to, this is what's popular right now, we need to do this or that. Um, you know, the songs really are about the songwriting and each song stands on its own. And I think we're definitely trying to make an album full of singles, but 
it's not with that in mind of, hey, we've got to have a hit or something. It's just like everything needs to be very listenable and, and just based on the songwriting, you know. And each song can kind of stand on its own merits. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's definitely something that we do and, and really probably pride ourselves on because I think everything on the, on the record is certainly capable of being a single. Um, well, I think that's an interesting point because, you, again, my generation, you would buy the album and oftentimes you were forced to listen to it front to back, yeah. you know, literally on yeah. vinyl. So does that affect the songwriting process, knowing that we're not writing an album per se, we're writing 10 songs that will go in the same jacket at some point, but each one can kind of stand alone as yeah. opposed to having some sort of thematic, you know, right. overarching thing. Is that something that you're aware of or even consider when you're, as you're writing or? Not in the writing process. No. For me, my writing process is day to day. It's whatever I see. It's whatever I'm doing. It's whatever I feel in a moment. And my phone's full of just random notes because that's how I write or that's how I feel. Same goes with the instrumental stuff. So it's not really something that I consider as much. Yeah. So. I mean, do you think that that's dead in terms of music as far as like a an album experience relative to? Ten- um, you know, I don't. I don't think it's dead. Um, I think there's still a lot of bands that are focusing on making records, and you know, vinyl's kind of making a comeback. And I just think it's it's very different now because in this day and age, people don't listen to records the way they used to, and it's it's about the immediate fix and you know what's tangible and right in front of you at the moment. And I think a lot of people don't have the patience to sit down like with a pair of headphones and listen to a record. Like that's what I grew up doing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and still do. I mean, I still have I still have a record player. I still listen to records. You know. But, um, you know, I think a lot of bands probably, at least on the business side of it, have to look at it a little differently because you can't spend months and months in the studio making a record unless you have the support of a major label or or somebody like that. And even then, it's not what it used to be. You're not, you don't have millions of dollars at your discretion to just, you know, spend two years making that, that perfect Chinese democracy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, you know, like a classic, like an Eagles record or something that has like 24 layered guitar (laughs) tracks or, you know, I mean, the technology is there now, but, but even then it's different because everything's digital now. And, you know, so it's definitely a different era, you know, in music and you just kind of have to adapt to it really, whether you want to or not. I will say personally, though, it's a gold nugget when you find a band who has an album that you can listen front to back and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time. Well, that's actually a good segue for you. You know, individually, what type of music did you grow up on, and and what are your contemporary favorite? You know, what are you listening to now, and and what influences your individual style and taste? Oh my gosh, um, it's definitely varied in this. Group. Yeah, yeah, very varied. Um, when I was able to choose which music I wanted to listen to, I listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder. Um, so that was kind of my foundational stuff. So I listened to a lot of oldies after that. Um, started getting into like Newfound Glory is where I started. Um, I will say to this day, the starting line is probably one of my favorite bands. Um, but I mean, I listen on Spotify. So, I mean, I search so many bands. If I find one, I love one. Um, so, I mean, there's so many right now that I'm influenced by, but I'd say the all time favorite would probably be Jimmy Eat World nice. or Copeland. Okay. So. Nice. I like that. You know, for me, it, I started out young. I, I was raised in a musical family. Both my parents played, and um, as crazy as it sounds, I actually started with the Monkees, um, watching the reruns back in like the '80s on MTV and Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was a kid, and I wanted to be one of those guys, and so I latched onto that. And my parents, my mom had the records, and I started playing to Monkees records, <laughs> you know, with singing and playing drums and. Uh, that's where it started for me. And then, you know, during that time, I latched on to a lot of the bands of the era, you know, that were coming out 
you know, like Journey and um, some of the bands that my parents were, were really into, like The Police and Rush and bands like that. Um, I probably have a lot more old school metal influence than the other guys in the group. You know, some of my favorite bands are Queensryche, um, Dream Theater, um, you know, Faith of No More. Real drum heavy. Uh, very drum driven yeah, yeah. and vocal driven stuff. And then kind of more of the um, bands like Tonic and the Gin Blossoms. Um, you know, some other bands that are out, you know, now like Big Rack, um, Thornley. Um, I don't know, just a lot of different bands. It's really hard to, <laughs> to dial into one. Right, right. But, you know, those are probably the, the, the ones that had the most influence on me getting me started playing. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's weird because as, as you grow up, obviously, and as you evolve as a musician, as a person, your tastes change and you go from these huge things, these really anthem huge bands or records, and then you have more appreciation for, I don't know, kind of a, a less is more of some of the stuff that you might listen to or even play, yeah. you know. So, I mean, do you guys catch yourself when you are developing new songs where, for you, Chad, would call it once you're like, oh man, this sounds like Jimmy, Jimmy Eats World. I gotta, you know what I mean? Like, does that influence kind of seep in where it's like, holy crap, I'm playing this just like Queensryche would play this drum section or whatever right. it might be? I think the awareness is there, yeah. but I think the awareness is constantly there as far as like when we're willing to present something to someone else and it's like, uh, I'm glad it doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah. Otherwise, then it's like, well, we need to manipulate it a little bit or something like that. But no, I mean, we really try to stray away from that just so that we do not have, you know, just an unoriginal sound. We have a generic, you know, sound or right. maybe a nostalgic sound. Right, right. But it's not been used before. Well, and I, I think, too, um, we all really do have varied influences. You know, I know Pito, um, our bass player, listens to a lot of different stuff, and he... He also listens to a lot of metal and hard rock stuff, and then he listens to a lot of slower stuff. And, um, you know, we all have varied influences, so I don't think it's not like four guys in a room that all listen to the exact same thing, like a lot of bands that that's kind of the case. Yeah. It's varied enough that I don't think it really comes through the music because we all listen mm -hmm. to a lot of different things. And um, so I, have, I haven't really noticed it too much in terms of, oh, well, that sounds just like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, one thing I'm, I'm always sort of enamored with, uh, with guys that are in a band, you know, here we are on a... Uh, what is it? Tuesday night, yep. playing at the Black Sheep in a, a basement. In a basement. Mm -hmm. I've I've played in this club. To use the term loosely. <laughs> I've played in this club a million times, and I didn't realize there was a basement here. I'd heard oh, really? stories about it, but I've never been down here. Yeah, so. the stories go on for days. It's, it's yeah. kind of a Pulp Fiction vibe, uh, a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Um, so I, I think there's a misconception that when you're in a band, you get to go up on stage for 45 minutes and rock out, and then hang out and have a couple of drinks, and then go home, sleep till two. And then, you know, maybe, you know, rehearse. I don't think people understand what goes into being in a band. I mean, we're yeah. a little after five o'clock. Show starts at eight. You guys are going to be doing load in here soon. And, yeah. we, you know, I'm sure you rehearse regularly and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And in addition to that, not to ramble on, but the, the marketing element of it, like Atlantic mm -hmm. Panic, you know, you've got kind of an image um, uh, visually, mm -hmm. like online, you've got the logo. There's a certain aesthetic to the artwork that you guys release. Do you, gosh, this is a long question. Do you guys enjoy that aspect of what you're doing as well. Are you asking more of like the struggle through the I day think that's to day? It. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah. I, I personally do. I mean, it is stressful. It is like exhausting. And, um, you know, after show night where we do all those things, you know, sometimes I have to be up back at six 30 in the morning the next day to do my day job, you yeah. know, and, and, and the days just keep coming. Um, 
as far as the, the advertising and getting your name out there, that's probably the, the hardest part because you can spend those hours on social media easily and get no result. But you do just a little bit at one point in one day at the right time and you get tons of results. So, I mean, it's really hard to like fundamentally like manage that time and incorporate it into your day-to-day life where you're not getting to sleep till two and mm-hmm. right. it's, it's, it's rough. It's real life, but it's something that we're passionate about. And I think that we love, so we still choose to do it, you know, as miserable as it can be. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, it's, I think it's a necessary evil because in, in this day and age, it's, it is very different. You don't have the support system that even really big successful bands used to have. Um, even if you have the support of a record label or even a management company or something like that, it's still kind of on you to do all these other things that you probably didn't used to have to do. You know, you used to be focused on writing and recording music and touring, and now it's all of the above. It's everything that's encompassed that has to be done as a band member. You're doing it, promoting the band, social media, a website, the merchandising, you know, promoting shows, booking shows, um, managing a budget, trying to figure out, hey, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? Um, it's its own full-time job, I think, and um, if you have a band full of guys that are at least, you know, pitching in and everyone takes some part of that and does something, it works a lot better than having, you know, one, one person do everything, which in a lot of bands that tends to be the case. Yeah. Um, but it takes, it really takes everybody. And like I said, like it or not, it, it kind of is, if you want to get anywhere, it's, you, you have to embrace it and just do it. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's intimidating because you don't really don't know how to go about all these things. So you learn a lot, you know, it's a learning process. I've been playing music for a number of years, but every show, every studio session, every time we get together and write a song or do anything, I still learn something, it seems like. So do you guys, as a band, do you have, you know, for lack of a better term, like business meetings where you sit down and say, okay, these are the goals for this year and these are the shows we'd like to get on and these are the venues we want to try to target or anything like that? Or is it just kind of, you know, again, kind of day by day, we, we love what we're doing. When the opportunities present themselves, we'll jump on it or... We, we do have the business meeting on occasion. Um, since Doug joined the band, there's been a lot more uh, business ethics and involvement. Um, and I think that Doug's been a huge like help in that for the other band members to notice that it is good to have input. It's good to have opinions as far as where we want to go. Um, but honestly, at this point, we've just kind of been blessed with all the opportunities that we've gotten. I mean, we've opened for some really cool national acts, met some really cool people. And the things are, you know, just snowballing. So we haven't really cracked the whip on uh, having those. But, I mean, it is a very important thing, and it is something that we do need to acknowledge and shoot for and start doing that soon. Because, I mean, last year was hectic. I know this year is going to be crazy. So, And we do kind of keep up to date. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe once a week or something when we're rehearsing, we will kind of sit down and kind of talk about opportunities or ideas or things that maybe we need to do more of or you know we do we do discuss it it's it's not an all out like business meeting all the time mm-hmm. but you know business definitely gets discussed you know every few days i would say something you know we try to be involved in that and yeah yeah, and I'll be on the same page. The group text. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 There's, of, there's definitely that. A lot of messages going back and yeah. forth all the so time. So the meeting can be 24-7, technically. Right. Yeah, that's yes. true. That's yeah. true. So now you guys are playing tonight. Uh, we're a couple hours out. Do you, at this stage in your careers, do you still get nervous, excited, anxious before you go perform live? Uh... Not really. <laughs> you kind I of mean, answered it with just the, uh, it's just it's <laughs> like there's some moments, and I mean it just it can be very like well just how your day went, 
or something like right, that. Right. But the the actual act of getting up on stage, I think, is probably the only thought that kind of mm-hmm. will give me that anxiety on occasion. But once I'm up there, it's like, no, this is where I belong. This is where I get to show my stuff. This is like what I'm proud of, you know. Yeah. So once once I'm up there, it's gone nice. if it exists at all. So for me, it, it getting on stage really doesn't have that effect on me anymore. Um, it's probably more everything else that is involved in doing that. You know, you're loading up your gear, you're getting to a venue. Um, there's normally a timeline of how your evening's supposed to go, and normally that gets thrown out the window, and it never goes that way. Normally, there's some band that shows up late, or the club. <laughs> you know, there's a sound check. There's a sound check going on for four hours with the headlining band, or there's there's things going on that are out of your control, and so those are probably the things really that are more testing to me uh that are just once you're dialed in you have your gear set up you do a sound check you know how the evening is going to go uh there's still any variable of things that could happen but you know for me it's all those things that are probably more stressful the playing itself is like the reward it's I don't really count that as work or, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you do all this other stuff. <laughs> right. yeah. That's the vacation part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's the whole <laughs> thing of it. You know, playing for 45 minutes, you know, it's every other hour in the day of everything that goes into that. It's That's what makes it worthwhile is when you're on stage and there's really nothing that can bother you or, you know, leave an impression while you're doing that. That's that's what your focus is on. And I agree. I, I think it's probably the reason we do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and I was telling Chadwick before we got on the mic that, you know, Atlantic Panic, you guys have a lot of dates um, on the books. Uh, it looks like you're 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 really busy here in town. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, and this makes it sound like you guys are going to retire, but at this stage in your careers, what, what are you most proud of, either individually or as a unit um, or even as a scene, you know, just the, the musical scene? What are you most proud of as you kind of, you know, sit here in this this moment of your career? What can you look back on and, you know, kind of point to? I honestly would say I'm I'm the most proud of some of the relationships between multiple bands forming um, here in the Springs. Because, I mean, Denver has a great music scene and everything's intertwined and everyone knows everyone, this, that, and the other. I think Colorado Springs has that opportunity, that ability to do so. And I think that there's there's been a revolution that's kind of started with that, which is exciting. And I've had you know the opportunity to be a part of that on multiple occasions. Um, so I wouldn't de- necessarily describe myself as proud of myself, but proud of that movement because I think it's totally possible here. Yeah. I think we can have festivals and events that are just insane and fun and have great bands and great music and great people. Can you point to anything in particular that sort of started that? vibe here here locally because i agree i think the from a complete outsider colorado springs has a pretty robust and active music scene that seems to be going in the right direction and getting bigger and better is there anything in particular that you can kind of think of that is is causing that positive uh, movement i don't think so i mean what i've acknowledged i mean personally for me if i was playing with any band even if they're dicks or whatever it may be you know i'd still go introduce myself and be like hey like i'm this person from this band it's nice to meet you if they wanted to talk i would talk to him um the networking side of being a musician is great because all the the walls are kind of down unless you're talking to someone who's starstruck or something like that i mean as far as from musician to musician it's kind of like hey you know what's going on so when you build those relationships i think there's a lot of people that start to starve for not just having a relationship with another band member in a band but having a band have a relationship with that band and so I think that's something that's just kind of created over time and people have acknowledged it and decided to work with that and work towards it oh that's very cool 
And Doug, what about you as far as where you're at in your career right now? Well, um, you know, I kind of just to, to go along with what Chadwick was saying, I would say that's probably the same thing for me um, because really that's what got me this gig. Um, it was networking and, um, you know, meeting different people, uh, meeting Scott who had seen me play with another band that uh, was performing and, and just it's kind of that networking and that vibe. There's certainly potential for the scene here to be a lot bigger than it is currently. Um, so I guess just to be a part of that, you know, I would say probably answers that question for me. It's it's hard for me to look at it as a career. I've, I've been doing this for a long time and I've played with a lot of different bands over the years and I try to take something really positive out of each experience. But, you know, for me, it's always looking forward and staying hungry and, and energized on whatever you're currently doing. So just being a part of the band, I guess I'm pretty proud of that. Nice. Um, being able to to find the chemistry of you know, working well with the, the people in this band, but also just getting along really well. Um, I've played in different bands where musically things were great, but as people, maybe you don't get along as well or you just don't have any camaraderie with what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and this group's definitely an exception to that, and it's a pretty rare thing, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. It I definitely think. feels like the, the tone and the vibe of, of Atlantic Panic is work hard and don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you, shirts made. If, yeah. if you can Seriously. do that, you, you, that's a recipe for success. Because that's, it, yeah. that's it. The mantra. Right, yeah. because it is like a family. It's like a relationship. There's going to be, you know, yeah. there's going to be disagreements, but you have to work through those. There's mm-hmm. got to be some diplomacy and you have to work through that Absolutely. and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's really a good, yeah. you know, kind of a good tactic and, and view for you guys to go into your musical oh, yeah. careers that well, way. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I think you get a lot farther that way. Um, I've met plenty of people in this business that really don't take that. Um, they don't have that same ethic as to what they do. And you kind of limit yourself if you have an attitude about what you're doing or you come off like you're better than other people or you, I don't know. It's, it's easy to get a big head if you're doing some good things. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, you really have to keep that in check. And, you know, there's always something to learn. And there's always somebody out there that's going to be 10 times better than you are at whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, be humble and, and just try to learn and you know, and grow, I guess, as an artist and as a person. Nice. Well, Chadwick and Doug, it was a pleasure. Best, best of luck to Atlantic Panic. And, Thank you. Uh, have a great set tonight. I appreciate thanks. it. Thanks. thanks, guys. So there you have it, Colorado Springs own Atlantic Panic. My thanks to Chadwick and Doug for being on the show. The song you heard at the top of the episode is their latest tune entitled Battle Cry. Look for their full-length album to hit later this year. The guys were nice enough to give me an autographed copy of their latest project, and if you email me with the subject line Atlantic Panic, I'll get this mailed out to you ASAP. Hit me up at metajunk at yahoo.com. That's M-E-T-A-J-U-N-K at yahoo.com. Thank you to Jeremy and the cool folks at The Black Sheep for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a second to post a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast media. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.